0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Ave Unfiltered. It's episode two, and guess what? We have real convos, no filters here. It's another episode where we get the opportunity to honor God, our authentic selves, and the beautiful contrast of life, unfiltered. So for episode two, I want you to know that I have an amazing guest, happens to still be my husband. John Gray I don't think the conversation was done. In fact, it was just getting started. But I'm so excited now to dive into this conversation a little bit deeper from my perspective as well as the traumatic experiences that we both had to endure not just with each other but in front of the church and the public eye which adds a multi-layered situation to a person's very public issues and how that affected us. And I pray that it blesses somebody. You guys, let's get started. My scripture for this week comes from 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Let me tell you how powerful that is. A lot of times we get lost in presentation. How about that? And we don't take the time to rely on the spirit of God. The we We take what we think we know and we implement it. But sometimes we are governed by feelings and sometimes feelings can be inconsistent and they can be liars to us. They're very real. But once they are put in the correct perspective, then we have the mind and the the will to process them completely and the way they should be. And I want to encourage you with that scripture today. I want you to ponder it because. I need you to understand that we won't have all the answers. Everything isn't about a grandiose presentation. Sometimes it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Literally, you're going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit for some of the things and the questions that you may have. And, that's my belief. That's my faith. That may not be for everybody, but from my perspective as a Christian woman of God and a, a pastor, I need you to understand that that is what I subscribe to because things go crazy, but the Holy Spirit will allow you to rest if you will just trust that process. All right. So we're going to get started with uh, with John and he, he's going to come back and we're going to have an amazing conversation around Has the church failed us? What are we doing? We need to know, and I need you to answer that question for yourself. All right, so we are back with John. He's John to me, pastor to y'all. He's also my pastor, but we had an amazing conversation for the first episode of Avon Filter. Thank you so much for coming back, but I didn't think the conversation was done first and partly because it didn't finish. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we can finish in one, two episodes, but I think that there are so many people out there like us who didn't have the, the strength to actually place themselves out there the way we did. I want to get to the part where I tell you, John, I heard you, I felt you. I'm grateful for the first conversation. Um, I'm grateful that we were able to express it. And it also was an example about, Church and Christianity. We were guinea pigs for the response. There were a lot of people who were blessed who said, You know, I, I just don't understand how you guys made it through that. You should have done this. You should have done that. Others were like, You said things that I could never articulate. I had my spouse watch with me. Now we have a greater path forward. But it's also talking about being leaders in and, and the church. Not only did we have to go through that in front of with ourselves, Mm -hmm. we went through it in front of people, but it's also as leaders, you go through it in front of the church. And I feel like the church has done a disservice to people, not just people, but to leaders. Leaders don't feel comfortable enough to have those types of conversations. Where I was raised, I thought everything was perfect. I'm telling you, the, 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 the congregation was shook when my pastor announced in front of the congregation after morning service, that he was leaving his wife. He gave no explanation. He didn't say why. And she was present and didn't even know that that was going to take place. <laughs> now, <a> <laughs> I'm telling you, I know, but I was a kid. I was a kid. I remember being dismissed. But of course, you hear the adults later on. In my mind, I'm always thinking that everything in church was perfect. And I think a lot of times leaders try to project perfection. But God uses the anointed and the broken. And if we look at all the stories in the Bible, many of the people were flawed.
1: No, no, no. All of them.
0: Every one of them.
1: And there is no, there is no anointing without brokenness. Because you said sometimes he uses anointing and there's, there's That's the combination. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: That's the combination. Just wanted to say that. There is no anointing without brokenness. Brokenness is the prerequisite to the anointing.
0: And we all have it some way, in some way. Everybody's not anointed in the same way. But when we talk about pastors and leaders, right, Mm -hmm. people expect perfection. But you are human first. Humanity is left by the wayside. Church does and is still doing a disservice to humanity because it's where you're supposed to come to be able to share, to be able to reflect. And you know, you're, you're an outsized personality. God knows God has used you to free millions of people. But while people were siphoning and getting what they needed, mm-hmm. at times, nobody, even the conferences that you visited, checked on you. They wanted you to show up to deliver a word for their themed conference or their themed event. Mm-hmm. But the man, John, how are you? How's your soul? And all of that kind of stuff. Or, Ab, how are you? How's your soul? Because not only is ministry um, heavy, but it also, you know, there's an infiltration into your spirit. You're taking everybody's problems. You're praying for healing. You want people to get delivered. You want people to get whole. You want people to love one another. You are trying to walk them through the scriptures. But at the same time, there are very real and traumatic experiences that you experience that caused certain actions that, and it's not an excuse. It is what it is. They cause you to maybe act differently than what your regular state of a whole self would be able to to deliver. And so the church has not done well. There have been pressures. There have been um, projections of what you should be and what you should do. And I think that we have done the church not we personally a disservice to people just going on to the next thing and just moving along just let showing
1: me, up. Let me say something though because I I I, I can um, I'll say this I don't want us to do broad generalizations when you say the church that's in totality I think there's two things that people need to get there's the business of church and then there is the remnant of true church according to the book of Acts starting in Matthew 16 where Jesus said upon this rock I'll build my church. Right. And so every when you say the church, it sounds like you're saying all the people. But the I know what you mean. But some people will use that to say it's not We're everybody. Yeah, yeah. but And I'm not a, it's not about attacking the church. I'm not attacking the capital church, capital C, Matthew 16. That is pure. Yeah. What it has become has been tainted by business and by uh, insecurities and by agendas. Right. And it has been hijacked by iconography of white Jesus or black Jesus or whatever version of Jesus fits your narrative or your, uh, racial construct. And so all of those things fit in. That's why people like to, ch- I don't go to church because the church hurt me. Church didn't hurt you. People hurt you. They happen to be in the building where a church is, right. but God didn't hurt you. Jesus didn't hurt you. Somebody who says they represent Jesus hurt you, but that's not his character and that's not his heart. So therefore, you shouldn't attribute their issues to his
0: character. That's true. And I think as we we navigate the conversation, living your life out loud as a leader, it puts it places extra pressure on top of you to give the people what they need, but sometimes you're not a part of the people that you're serving. Mm -hmm. You're not serving yourself while you're serving other people, but it doesn't mean that God hasn't used you and isn't using you. I understand very, very much who you are and who you have been to many people. There was a white lady who was about sixty, between 60 and 70 years old, who came up to us in a restaurant and said that that she just wanted to touch you, that you had blessed her, that she had seen you um, preaching and what that did for her soul. Then she went and grabbed her friend because she wanted her to meet you. And she wanted, she was excited about being in your presence. At that moment, it wasn't about what you walked through. It was about what God placed in you. So I feel it's super, I feel it's super important for us to recognize exactly what happens in the Bible is happening in real time with us, but we don't want to, to acknowledge that point to the point of the very real hurts and pains that we both experienced. I didn't feel safe coming to the church or to anyone in the church to share just the feelings of not understanding what was happening, how or the how's and the why's for the reasons that we see, the judgment. And I, it's not everybody in church, but most of us are ready to judge when we say that the church is, should be a hospital for the broken. That's where you should be able to come to relieve yourself of the stress of of the world and, and everything that has been placed on you and things that you experience that may not have been in the plans, because clearly, We didn't know what we were going to walk through. We said, uh, yes, almost 12 years ago, we ran forward. There's no manual for this. There's no manual for parenting. There's no manual for the issues. And people can say premarital. Premarital was a joke because you can't pull up everything. You're, you're, You're not in it. You're not married at premarital. It's when you get married that you see the issues arise. And so I feel like for me, in a very real way, I remember there was a blog that said, in a world full of Aventure Grays, be a Cardi B. Because Cardi, at that time, decided that she was going to leave Offset for his infidelity or whatever he had going on, all right? So that was very public. She recanted. So can I get an article that said, in a world full of Aventure Grays, be a Cardi B now because she chose her vows? You get what I'm saying? everybody's so fickle. The world is fickle. People are the flavor of the day. That's why I had to, for me, cancel the noise and focus on me and God and what I wanted to do. If I want to forgive, that's my prerogative. If I want to walk with you, that's my prerogative. If I want you to walk with me because I'm not perfect, that's your prerogative. If you want to stay here um, in spite of all of my flaws, which I have immeasurable ones, that's your choice. But people, social media, media today feel like they have to interject. There are comment sections, there are likes and dislikes and all of that. But I couldn't be moved by that. That was, at first I was, because that was a real place for me. You were like, you can't, you can't respond to everybody. Everybody's not going to get it. Even when they hear the truth, they're going to take what they want and they'll, they'll use what they want. They'll exploit the rest. It's very true. There were additions, subtractions, multiplications, and divisions of what actually happened. And the only people that know what actually happened is between me, you, and God. And even though we told our truth, which is the real truth, not one that we want to believe, but the actual truth of how we got here, because it's like, how do you get here as leaders? You were that when you were born. You were born in the sin. You had issues. You were flawed. There's no perfect human walking the earth. God uses. The broken, and you said the prerequisite of anointing is brokenness. That's where we are in this conversation, and I think it's very real. Can you heal in a church where you feel you were injured by the church? <clears throat> um,
1: I mean, I think the answer to that—the short answer—is yes. Uh, it's how you heal and what you heal from. You know, I mean, I'm I'm kind of weary of the whole dynamic of people. Wanting to have a microscope into my life or into this marriage, um, it's too nuanced. It's too layered for anybody to to understand the totality of it. Uh, I think there are bigger issues at play. The first thing is that um, you know I, we watched that movie "Hunt for Jesus: Save Your Soul." Really, really, <laughs> it was really deep. And let me tell you what I what I took away from that. There, there are, there have been. Uh, in the church world, people who are calculated in making this a business decision.
0: Wow.
1: Um, then there are people like me who were called at 13 when I had no clue what church was on a business level. I just heard on a Tuesday night at 13 years old that I was called to ministry and I've been serving the Lord ever since. I never asked the Lord to take me anywhere, to make me anything, to elevate me. I never asked him to make me a pastor or a household name. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. None of that mattered. I just wanted to serve God so when when real life happens, um, you know, it's almost like people think that there was some plan, like you're like this malevolent force that somehow has been exposed. I wanna I haven't been exposed for anything other than the truth. The beautiful thing about my life is you know exactly what I am and what I'm not. not so I don't really um subscribe to the idea that I have to be something for people or I owe them anything because you don't know what's going on in anybody's house. Yeah. Um, and what I find really interesting is there are a lot of pastors, many pastors are getting divorced. I saw that. Many pastors um, and some of your favorites who you listen to, you don't even know they're already divorced and have moved on uh, to
0: other situations. And, you know. I don't mean to interrupt you, but do you think it's because they tried to keep up a very plastic appearance for people for the sake of the people. Absolutely. Absolutely. They want to keep the business going.
1: Some people are only together because it's a business decision. And that's the worst thing to do. You're teaching your kids to lie uh, about truth, you know, and a lot of pastors are leaving now that their kids are graduating.
0: Yeah. And I'm like... For that reason.
1: Yeah, but I'm not... Let me tell you something. That's... that's you don't stay uh, in a lie to present the truth either for money or for somebody else's perception of comfort right. or reality. It's, it's, it's not an authentic life. And I think that um, where, where church is going, you can look at the latest Pew research polls um, from 90 plus percent of Americans who believed in God to now it's in the sixties. In and there are more people saying they're religiously non-affiliated. So the, the pictures you see online of church and people running and shouting, conferences, that's actually the minority. The majority is looking at that and saying that's a clown show. And the truth is when you finish shouting, you're still miserable. you You still have the liquor in the closet. You're still popping pills. You're still living how you live because the religion of the church movement from an entertainment construct is not the same as a real encounter with the Jesus of the Bible. And I think people want that. And the way you get to that is by dealing with stuff like this.
0: It's true. It's true. And I feel like there's a huge misconception that, that you know, the ones who are giving the medicine uh, can't take the medicine. Like you deliver information to people that gives them an insight. And actually, that's another thing. Pastors and preachers and leaders are not the answer. They are a conduit by which God uses They are the vessel for his word to come through in a way of revelatory and giving insight. But you're supposed to take that information and go apply it to your own life and extract what needs to be extracted as it pertains to you. Everybody's not the same, right? Nobody's the same. And I feel like there are a lot of misconceptions. Can you you cite maybe some misconceptions about yourself? What's a top misconception that you believe the public has about who you are? based on
1: what they think they know. Mm, I don't know because I don't ask people what they think about. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, and social media has never been a good indicator of anything. It's the mob. It's kind of like the movie Gladiator in the old, in, in the ancient times, the Roman uh, Colosseum, yeah. the, the, the Caesar, whoever the Caesar was at the time, um, would listen to the crowd to determine his decisions because he wanted to stay in political power. Right. So when you allow the crowd to dictate your moves, then they control you. And so you're no longer a leader. You're a puppet. Uh, So I'm not sure what the misconceptions are, but I think that. um, Well, I
0: think if we can be honest that you there was malicious intent or that you're somehow that that there was somehow like motivation.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: that is a misconception.
1: Well, I'll say this because I want us to talk about all the other things concerning church. Uh, our relationship has been fodder and has made money for a, a lot of people in 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 godless ways because when you're well known, people uh are like vultures and they fly over what they think is a dead thing and pick it apart. Um there was the reality is I didn't want to be married. I didn't feel like um this was uh a place that i could be who i truly was and church was a part of that church Perpetuated. The, the 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 church that i saw
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the institution that i was a part of did not allow for the humanity that i was living
0: that's that's it that's
1: true let me let me let me get it out the church as it is constructed is not welcoming to truth Because truth is uncomfortable. It is immovable. And what we have presented is this idea that me and you have to come in there and smile over there. Praise the Lord, saints, I'm so happy about. And that's not how people talk. It's not where people live. And then you find yourself in a real life situation and there's nobody to help you because everybody's been playing TV roles. And Exodus 20, you can go back to what God said to Moses on the mountain. The first thing he said is, don't have any other gods before me. That's the first thing you need to know about me. I'm the Lord, your God, and you will have no other gods before me. What you see is the little gods, the little G's being torn down. God is removing idols. Anything that people worship other than him, he's removed. Yeah. Any person, any pastor, any, any leader who sets themselves up as the guru or as the go-to. Mm-hmm. And, and so people are like, how come you don't have more content? How come you don't sell your da-da-da? And why don't you? I've never wanted to monetize that part of my expression because I never wanted to become an idol. I would much rather you see my humanity and be like, oh God, I would rather you have that (laughs) than say, oh, he's so amazing. I'm just a man that loves God and I need the same Jesus that I preach. And so, you know, I'm not trying to set myself up as an expert. There are things that I know, but I learned it through pain. So did Jesus. The Bible said he learned obedience he learned obedience
0: by the things that he suffered right and and in suffering not just for you for me for anyone there is something to get from it if you allow it to do what it's meant to do which is grow you which is evolve you which is stretch you and mature you cuz some things about me i would have never realized had i not walked the walk that i walked i believe that's the same for you it's not about what was done or any of that. I'm not harping on that. I'm talking about the response of where church people, the institution thereof, they say, bring it all, you know, bring it, bring it, you know, you, I'm here for you. You can talk to me, you can X, Y, and Z until they figure out what it is, where it is. They can, some, some people's traumatic experience, they can't pinpoint a start date for it. It happened in childhood where you couldn't even articulate it or even express to your mother something that impacted you, express to your father something that you experienced out on the street, express to your cousin, you know, something that you experienced at school, in the hallway, you know, and it stays with you for years and years and years. And then you bring that into the marriage. I bring my issues into the marriage. And then they create this big situation that we've never separated or together had to face. And some things will not come to the forefront of exposure, if you will. And I'm not talking about like somebody exposure. I'm talking about revelatory, light, bringing light to. Some things you can't bring light to until you're joined with the person that you're supposed to, by the institution of marriage, do life with. Some things about you, you would have never seen about you until you married me or her or her or her, or until I marry you or him or him or him. That's the other part that there's a one soulmate. No, there's a choice. There was a choice made. And so in this choice for me, for you and you, for me, whatever was inside of me, my daddy issues, my abandonment issues, my whatever's insecurities bringing brought to whatever your issues were, whatever, abuse, you know, not being seen in church, all of those things that you have expressed in other messages, those things collide, right? And then we still show up. We still show up for people. We still move forward for people. We still go and pastor. Did you want a pastor or you were called? But did you want to do that?
1: Yeah, no, <clears throat> no, I didn't want a pastor. I, and I don't think anybody who understands what it is wants to, uh, if you're smart. Yeah, I mean, if you're called to it, then he can trust you with it. But if you're hungry for it, then you'll manipulate people to keep it. That's good. And, and I, I have never been <laughs> accused of uh, trying to keep or hold on to people. Uh, I'm a loyalist. I've been loyal. I've served pastors. I serve pastors because I know what the Bible says about honor, what it says about service. And that's why I really love David. And it's not, the, it's not the stuff that you talk about as far as David and Bathsheba. Or yeah. David. It's about his heart. And it's about his commitment to honor, even when he was being dishonored. He called Saul, his father, yeah, uh, and called him the Lord's anointed. And this is after Saul tried to spear him to a wall twice. Honor has nothing to do with the person. Honor has everything to do with your heart. So even if the person deals dishonorably with you, it doesn't change the honor that I give to you. And that's why David got the throne. Yeah. He, did, he could have taken it uh, in the cave. Uh, when Saul came to relieve himself, uh, he cut a corner of his robe and he said, I'm convicted. I shouldn't have touched him. Wow. And 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 Saul going down to him, he says, hey, I, I, my Lord, why do you come out against me? I'm nothing. I've served you. Yeah. And then Saul began to weep and he said, I know the Lord has given you the kingdom. Now he's still trying to kill him. He said, but I know I'm going to lose. But I have so much insecurity and so many people in my ear um, he's telling trying- me to hold on to the throne. Right. And this is the thing about what I think church has become. It's become um a commoditized uh toy that you pass down to your kids. Right. And it and and so my my I yeah, and my thing is if you're not called to this, it's never gonna work. And there's a lot I wanna say. And I'm not <laughs> sure what you have on your pink cards, but I'll just say this. I think that to, to answer your question, no, I didn't wanna pastor. I just wanted to serve God. If he wanted me to pastor, I'd do it. But just like everything else in my life, he had to take me to school. And the problem is people think you're a finished product when you're still in class because God doesn't have to make sure that you graduate before you serve. David had 400 people when he wasn't king. David had men following him, willing to die for him when he wasn't on the throne. Okay, And so uh, your development and your process actually uh, identifies who you're called to. I'm not called to reach everybody. There are people who are, they have marketing teams to strategize demographics and groups and where should you plant your church <laughs> for, for, to have the most, you know, money. Not people. even impact. Yeah, you want people with a certain uh, income level. That's <laughs> demonic to me. Wow. you doing strategy. That's a business decision.
0: Yeah. Ain't no
1: ministry decision. You did it because you want money and you want fame and you want to use Jesus as a tool because you're insecure. And you know that if you were anywhere else, you wouldn't be successful. Me, I'm here because God asked me to be. But this is not, I could do anything. I was, I could do anything and be successful.
0: I hear you. I want to go back to David real quick because you preached this. He was who he was, even when he was tending to the sheep, even when he was dirty, even when he was in the field, he was still who God called him to be. So I think it's super important for people to understand that you're still who God called you to be. Like I said last time, you can't recall what God has called, regardless, especially if it was triggers and things that went unchecked when you try to find somebody to help you navigate what you were experiencing as a child, when you try to find somebody to meet you on your level and be like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? You said you had somebody say something that a a pastor, a leader who you looked up to, say something very real out of the way. And I'm sure that probably shut you down. I'm pretty sure you were probably like, yeah, if I can't go to you, then I probably shouldn't open my mouth to the next person. Am I right in that? Yeah. Did it make you closed off? Because that's the person that you're supposed to be. Yeah, it kind of
1: broke my heart because, you know, I come from a place of orthodoxy when it comes to scripture. My mother lived it. And I remember going to uh a particular leader about some things that were happening to me during my teenage years. And when I tell you that the advice I got was terrible. antithetical to scripture. And I was like, well, what are we really doing here? And and so, you know, but what I realized now, because hindsight is always 2020, 20, you know, he was broken.
0: That part. And and that's what I want to say too. So Did that deter you from maybe wanting to become a leader once, even though you knew you were called, you see what you had experienced from a leader and not all leaders are bad. You had some good experiences Mm -hmm. with leaders and some good people to pour into you. But there were also some carrying the same title, the same level of authority that gave you the opposite of what you thought was supposed to be happening. So was that a challenge in being called to lead in ministry for you?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think my, our, our experiences, you know, color how we interact with our own destiny. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a pastor because of some of the things that I experienced. And I didn't want to become that. There was a fear that because I was around it, ingratiated in it, that I might become that. So I've run uh, from, from that. And I think that's a disservice because my heart is pure.
0: Do you feel like you can lose your identity in church? And what if you never really knew your identity before? There you
1: go. I think church wants to give you an identity and that's a danger. The church can't give you identity. Christ can give you identity, but the the crowd <coughs> cannot give you identity. And um The beauty of Jesus is that he deals with you on an individual level, who you are, as you are, where you
0: are. And when you say individual, the individual circumstances as well, because I think even for uh, pastors and leaders I looked up to, I know all of the beautiful things that they did, then they have one public misstep and it's like, you forgot all of the beauty and all of the things that made you love them in the first beginning. And that shouldn't be a cancellation. In fact, they work in tandem. You need both ends. Like, I need to know where you failed so it can deter me, you know, from making the same mistakes. I need to hear about where you didn't get it right. Pastor so-and-so or first lady so-and-so or deacon over here or elder so-and-so so that I know that you're giving me tools to not take the same path. Right. So I feel, I feel like leaders need to be beyond honest. Flawed man, flawed woman, coming together creates a flawed union. But if God is in the midst, He's working it out as we have our individual salvation, sanctification process, and and also the revelation He gives you through your trials, through your issues. You can't get revelation if you've never been through anything. How do you realize something if you've never been through it?
1: So let me let me offer a point of conversation for you and your audience. Bring up David. David was God's choice. Saul was Israel's choice. And God said to Samuel, the prophet, I want you to go to Bethlehem, Jesse's house. I have provided for myself a king. That's what he said. So freeze that. Now rewind all the way to when... Uh, God was speaking to Abram before he was Abraham. And he says, know for a certainty that your descendants will be slaves in a strange land for 430 years. After that, I will bring them out with great possessions and I will judge the nation who enslaved them." This is before Abraham ever had Isaac. Right. Why do I bring that up? God told Abraham what was going to happen hundreds of years, thousands of years into the future knowing what everybody was going to do. The reason why that's important for church folk is David was God's choice, knowing what David would do every day of his life. Every wrong thing that you want to disqualify David for, God right. factored that in and still chosen at 13. This is very important. Wow, I was 13.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How about that? So God doesn't make mistakes when he chooses. People never catch up with God's amen. They always want to disqualify who God qualified, knowing the disqualifying factors. God knew everything that any one of us would do and said, I'm still going to bless them. I'm still, still going to choose them. her. I'm still going to use them. I'm still going to use that marriage. I'm still going to use that relationship, knowing all of the human issues that we would face. God is the one that decides who gets the mic, Right. him alone. And when he doesn't want you to have a mic, you won't have one. But sitting down because people think you're not worthy, let me tell you something. There are a lot of people, you should sit down. <laughs> I, listen, let me tell you something. I, if that was the case, I should have sat down at 13. I should have never been called. And
0: if that's the case, some of <clears> us need <throat> to sit down now. Yeah. Like, right this second, we need to go ahead and sit. We're already sitting in a yeah. posture right now. <laughs> I'm just saying. But if we want to talk about disqualifiers, some of the stuff in the in the progression of your life, when you're telling your story, people omit the bad stuff. Of they course. leave that out. They want the highlight reel. They want,
1: you know, Because the it's about marketing, Aventure. It's not about truth. It's about presentation. It's about what I want you to see. And, and so I love that God is deconstructing church as it has been presented. And there are some real voices. I got this outfit on, on purpose. I have on the military outfit on purpose because I've taken a different posture. Church culture that I've seen throws broken people away. Mm. And the military taught me, and I say taught me, I wasn't a part of the military, but my father, my uncles, my grandfather, all the way back, they were. I understand that if you're on a battlefield and one of your fellow soldiers is wounded, you don't leave them on the field. So good. but church. We know we wrestle not against, and there is a warfare. Why would you leave one of your top-producing generals on the field because of issues that you still have that people don't know? Ooh, why would you leave anyone behind when even the military knows she still has value? She might be wounded, might have made a mistake, but you go get them because the they've been trained to help us get to the end goal, why would you leave your fellow soldier on the field? Church, as it has been constructed, has mastered the art of leaving wounded soldiers on the field to die at the hands of the enemy. Even football teams, when you tear your ACL, they let you rehab
0: to see if you can produce. Everybody goes down. Yeah. where you go down, and they and they, and they they try to figure out what's Even going on. Even the opposing
1: team comes over when a player's injured. Yes. Because they know it can happen to them. Yes. Oh, Ooh. stay right there. Ooh. And the problem with some in church is they rejoice in the injuries of their fellow brothers and sisters, not knowing it's an injury coming your way, too. And mm-hmm. how you treat the injured is how you will be treated when you're injured.
0: That right there hit hard because I think for me, And I'm sure for you, you can speak on this on your own. Some of the responses, I feel like for people who said they loved us, who've done life with us, who've walked with us as friends, brother, sister, you know, we give that title out very easily and loosely. Um, I feel like didn't step up, didn't step up. Um, I feel like instead of calling the next person, girl, did you hear it? And did you see or listen, what's happening over there? Why didn't you call us? Why didn't you text me? Why didn't you check, you know, to be like, that doesn't seem right. What's really going on? Why didn't you go to, you know, why didn't you come to Houston? Why didn't you, I'm sorry, Greenville at the time. Why didn't you go to Greenville? Why didn't you go and say, and sit with your brother or your sister that you love so much? Why did you engage in the conversation and you counted off as that's a mess? Because I can think of a person right now in my mind who I know then slept with him, her, and them on their wife singing all the gospel songs. And literally, I heard a snippet of a conversation that they had the audacity to talk about us. But I feel like, what are, what are we really doing? When you know what you're doing yourself, you have the audacity to place your mouth on someone else. What is that?
1: I don't know, but I ain't that. And I never want to be that. I've never been that person. Um, if I ever start talking, it's going to be a whole lot of, it's going to be a whole lot of blogs. But the things that I know will stay with me and they'll stay to my grave. If God wants to expose people, he can do it. He can. What he did in my life was beautiful. He, he allowed me to stop living a lie. The, the truth was I had no desire Uh, to keep going. And I wanted to sabotage my life because of pain. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what he did was because he knows me, he knew that this was the only way for me to get back to the original intent of when he called me at 13. It's a beautiful place to come to a place of peace and reconciliation with yourself. Yeah, I really don't care what people think because I know what God has done. And I know what he said about me. Um, and I pray that the healing begins with these types of conversations that allow people who have been programmed by the institution mm-hmm. of church Great to word. realize that there is a God who sees everything about you and you are well with him. Still. they are like, but what about that? He already knows that.
0: He knew it. If he's the author and finisher, then he already knows the middle. You're only living what's been written. David said, all my days
1: were written when as yet there were none of them. Then it says, how precious are your thoughts towards me, O God. So what he's saying is, I'm only living what's been written. Which means God knew what we would do and still allowed us to walk it out. God could have erased that page. He's God. Yeah. He didn't erase it because it was necessary for the overall picture. God has a plan. He does. It's his earth. It's his people. It's his glory. And my brokenness or your issues are actually conduits for God to she, get glory.
0: Yeah, it is. And as we and as we endeavor to wrap this conversation. What do you think Christian people can do to shift the culture of church, the, the flawed culture of church, so that we're not so programmed, so that we're not showing up to the show? Because that's basically what it is sometimes. Absolutely. I can be honest and say that literally sometimes I don't feel like going out there because there is a wrestling between me and God. I don't feel worthy to go up there, right? Right. And at times, as you've expressed, you've talked yourself out of we've disagreed with God or who we, thought we who he's created us to be and who we're actually, um, what we're walking out doesn't look like what he said. So there's that, that lack of reconciliation between what God has said about you, who you actually are, and what you're producing in a moment and why you're producing those things. And I feel like that there has to be a culture shift in church by the people who call themselves believers into embracing these issues, we have to sit with the very realities that there are no perfect leaders. And we have to internalize the fact that at some point you may wake up and find out your favorite preacher or pastor or leader, wife, or, or husband has found themselves in a situation that years ago has triggered your actions in the present, in your calling, in your your purpose, in your moments right now. So how can we as believers shift that culture now to embracing the real authentic truth of who we are and, and the reconciliation of who God has called us to be?
1: First of all, that's a long question, and I don't know how to answer that because you sound like you put the answer inside the question. Somewhat. Yeah, so you don't need me. I was just here, no part. I was just here to look good. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I don't know how you start that conversation without truth. But people don't deal in truth. They deal in subsets of truth, the illusion of truth, what you want to believe about yourself versus the actuality of yourself. And uh, Jesus, Jesus made it clear. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. If you really want to have a revival and renaissance, it's going to have to start with believers living the word as it's written, which means we have all things common, distribute to each one as we have need. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself doesn't mean agape, uh, fili- uh, eros love, but agape emphilios, which means I prioritize your well-being even if we don't agree on Politics or, or civic or social issues. Yeah. You're, we're still going to make sure you have groceries. I'm still going to make sure you're all right if you're sick. Um, those are the things. Scriptures that they they will know you're Christians by your love for one another and we take care of one another. I wouldn't want to be if I'm a non-believer. I don't want to come to church because of the way y'all treat each other.
0: That's
1: good. I don't want to come to church because of the way we talk about each other. I wouldn't want to come to church because if I do, uh, you know, have a nuclear moment all you're going to do is actually push the trigger even further down as opposed to try to stop the fuse. You see what I'm saying? And so, um, that's why people aren't joining churches and it's, it's, you know, it's looked upon as a joke. Um, and so we're going to need to, you know, have a mea culpa, just have a a come to Jesus moment and be honest to say that the show that we've been presenting is a lie. Yeah. And a lot of the decisions we made were made because of business, not ministry. And the moment we get free from money and marketing, we're going to see a revival.
0: The Christian church will see a revival at the origin of truth. That's the, that's the whole beginning. That's the end. Truth. Start there and end there. However you need to get there, by all means, do it in truth. Spirit and truth. I need us to make sure that we are taking the necessary time to take a deep introspective look inside of our souls and look and see if you have been participating in the show or if you've been presenting truth. Many of us have had to stop, reset, recalibrate and redeploy ourselves into our callings because we've had to reset at truth, no matter what that looks like. Truth sometimes looks like a separation. Truth sometimes looks like we deal with everything that's come to a head and we move forward. Truth sometimes looks like not what the people want. Truth looks like truth. That's it. And everything that you see is not true all of the time.
1: Well, I got to say something here because, you know, the lie that some church institutions say um, is this idea that. The you know, Christianity is this fixed, immovable object. And you deal with marriage, the proliferation of divorce. Divorce was always 50% or higher in church. um, People like, what God has put together, let no man separate. Sometimes God didn't put y'all together. Sometimes you put yourself together. And so to slap God on a choice you made, that make it God's choice or God's will. And sometimes you get into a relationship at a particular moment in your life for any number of reasons. And there are people who have walked through that and gotten divorced and then got remarried and have been completely happy. That messes with the religion of church because they don't want there to ever be um, redemption and reconciliation. They want you to suffer because the truth is they're suffering and they want company.
0: Misery loves company. It's it's not just a saying. It is an absolute truth. Why are we thirsty for, you know, other people's downfalls? Why are we rejoicing and cheering for, you know, gosh, there it is. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was getting too big for your britches and all this kind of stuff. And I I really despise that. I really, really can't stand that. However, that's why you shouldn't put your mouth on people because you never know when it's going to be your turn. And you never know when your perfect situation is going to um, unveil or reveal. Uh, some trigger can bring a truth out that's been buried that you've never addressed. And I want us to take moments to, uh, to extend the grace that we hope, you know, that people extend to us for whatever those situations may be. And if people don't extend you grace, God has. And that's where I am. I don't need your grace if God gives it to me. I I don't need your acceptance because, you know, people's minds change. We change from political parties based on the platform or based on the best sentence that somebody has written for you today. We change. People change churches because they're hurt, not realizing that because you showed up there, the church that you thought was perfect is now not perfect because you went.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was already not.
0: Christ. I know, but I'm just saying, for in, in his mind, if we can yeah. get that church, never has. I'm going to go over here because I just was, can't deal it, with
1: all of but, it. But here's what they're saying I want to go somewhere where people will agree with me. That's not what church is. It's not for your agreements, it's for your development. It's great. So, a lot of times, the places of discomfort is probably God inviting you to grow the hell up. Absolutely. And, and we normally leave growth moments
0: because of discomfort. And so, Ooh. you know, I'm going to you another to, church. You mean to tell me that people leaving me prematurely, they can, they can stunt or they can hijack their development because they didn't wait? Absolutely. Mm, how about it? Absolutely.
1: You can, you, can, you can walk away from a place designed to grow you and you never get the benefit that God intended. Wow. And so um, churches that preach truth are going to be less and less popular. The more you study scripture, the best preachers got killed. Mm -hmm. Stephen the martyr Mm -hmm. gave the greatest sermon of the New Testament, Mm -hmm. in my estimation, and they stoned him for it. He got a standing ovation from Jesus himself, Mm -hmm. but the people killed him. So be careful, because if your mark of success is predicated upon the applause of people, those same people will stone you. Oh my gosh, in a minute. I only care that I get a one man standing on. When I'm done, I want Jesus to say, that boy told the truth about me. And if that costs me my life, I'm ready. And you know I mean that thing. People don't know. I don't. Let me tell you something. You don't know me like you think you do. I'm not the docile little, you know, catch you saw on TBN. I'm, an, I'm that dude. I'm for the streets. I, I come from... The hood. My family was in the projects, roaches on the wall, weed in the mouths, playing cards with old E on the table in red cups. Of course, that wasn't my mama, but I got a whole lot of aunties and uncles and cousins. I come from that. And that's really what I'm from and who I'm for. I'm for broken people. And that's what the church is for. It's what it was always supposed to be for. It wasn't for politics, it wasn't for presentation, it wasn't for show. It was for hurting people. That's why the streets rock with me. And Mm -hmm. as long as I got the streets listening, then I can do what I was called to do. I ain't called to everybody else. I'm not going to be a corporate coon. I don't need your corporate money, you know, to get my thing off. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and be that independent. That's what makes me uncomfortable. That's why people don't really want to embrace me because I'm nuclear. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm an isotope. I'm unstable. I'm not gonna play your game,
0: yeah. But you but and I'm but definitely you not you going your games because I'm not your typical first lady. Nah, no, you got too
1: many tattoos,
0: and do not you know compare me to other people. You don't want me to come speak at your women's conference because I got a red wig, that's cool. I don't care, I'm who I am because before I'm that, I'm who God made me, and I have to live in my authentic truth and this. Is who I am and who I'm called to reach. I'm going to reach for being me, not becoming who you want me to be, yeah. but being who I actually am. And it's funny because you didn't find Jesus hanging out with the religious elite. Mm-hmm. He actually despised them. He was where they thought he wasn't supposed to be Absolutely. all the time. That's where you could find them. And, and what I want to say to that is you should run towards your loved ones. Who you realize uh, who have overachieved, who have all the accolades, who have all the degrees or have the layers of success and and the layers of of beauty attached when they have their breaking point, because sometimes overachievement is a coping mechanism or a cover up for the actual truth. You'll continue to get educated you'll continue to try to get this award and be seen by this one and that one because you don't want them to see who you actually are. And I want to take a moment and have you reflect on yourself and just ask you to please show up as yourself at all times. I want to tell my husband, thank you for showing up as you, even in the marriage, because I think I've learned more about who you are as time has progressed. You're not the person that I, that I met in 2009 You're not the person that I married in 2010. You're not even the person who became a father in 2012. Like each with each life shift, there's a new version of you, whether you want to embrace that, because when you when you when you are by yourself, you're amazing. You get with somebody else, there are some flaws and some things about you that you never would have seen had you not been joined to that person. And I do mean that person because they'll pull it out of you because God, it was written, right? Nothing catches God off guard, nothing by accident. So I want to tell you as the rest of the time um, that we have in this earth, when you have people who you look up to who you are proud of, just know that they went through something to get there. They had to experience some things to evolve to where where you see them and that we're always in a constant state of becoming. There's no arrival. You're always trying to get where you're going. And as we wrap this episode of Admin Unfiltered, I want you to take a look inside of yourself and I want you to take a real, 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 genuine, authentic look into your soul and be the truth, the truthful version of you. Whatever that looks like for you. Thank you for joining me again today. Have any closing remarks for my listeners?
1: No, thank you for uh, the opportunity to be on your
0: podcast. Thank you. All right, that's it. Season two, episode two. God bless